0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast. I'm your host, Joe Ivoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports, and if you're a coach or a parent, Check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. You can ditch the emails and spreadsheets. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one easy-to-use app. Game Changer Team Manager is 100% free for your entire team. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. Today in the show, we have the Denver University head women's lacrosse coach, Liza Kelly. Coach Kelly is a graduate of Delaware University where she was a three-time All-American. She was a member of the U.S. National Team, the University of Delaware Hall of Fame, and Baltimore Hall of Fame. She started her coaching career at Towson University where she was an assistant for three years before being named the head coach at Boston University. During her time at Boston, she was twice named the America East Coach of the Year. After five years at Boston, she took the head coaching job at Denver University, where she's now entering her 13th season. Coach and I got a chance to talk about a lot of different things like doing what you love, working smarter, not harder, giving players ownership, empathy, tough love, and much more. Here's my interview with Coach Kelly. Coach Kelly, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to get to talk, but uh, but let's get started like I always do. How'd you get started playing lacrosse?
1: Um, I grew up in Baltimore, so I feel like everybody kind of is, is born with a lacrosse stick in their hand back there. <laughs> um, and I was uh, probably no different, but my, my neighbors when I was probably five were um, a bunch of guys that had played locally, and they would always get out in their yard and, and kind of pass it around. So that was really kind of the first time I saw it, and I would say I'd been kind of chomping at the bit for a long time to play it. And finally mm. we started playing it in, um, in, I guess, gym, gym class in grade school. And mm. my dad bought me my first stick for Christmas. And of course he mistakenly bought me a boy stick, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's kind of once I got to school and they set me straight, that was really how, how I kind of got involved in the game is kind of watching and then kind of waiting till it was my turn.
0: Right. Right. And, uh, and so what other sports did you play, um, while you were growing up?
1: Yeah. I grew up, uh, softball was kind of the first organized sport that I played and it really didn't last too long, but it was fun. And then, um, I, I stuck with lacrosse, field hockey and basketball and, and probably truthfully, basketball was really my, my first love.
0: Hmm. Um, and so, uh, so at what point and, and why did you start gravitating towards lacrosse? At what point did lacrosse become the sport that you knew you wanted to play at the next level?
1: Um, you know, I think in high school, I, 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 as I said, I really loved basketball, and I kind of, um, I kind of played with this idea of maybe trying to go to college and playing both basketball and lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, <laughs> what happened was I went to a blue chip basketball camp, and I got dunked on, and um, <laughs> the reality that maybe I wasn't quite as good at basketball as I thought I was, <laughs> <laughs> um, is kind of what, kind of maybe maybe direct my, my, my passions into lacrosse a little bit more.
0: (laughs) Right. Being, being dunked on is, uh, it's hard to come back from, um, you know,
1: I don't know that you come back from it. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, but did you, uh, so, so did you feel like basketball maybe contributed at all to your lacrosse game?
1: Oh God yeah I think that they 're so similar usually when people haven 't seen um, women 's lacrosse that that 's kind of the way I describe it to somebody is mm-hmm. is basketball with a hundred yards in between and a couple more people on the field but I, yeah, I think they 're <laughs> right. so similar um, you know I, I I love the intimacy of basketball, and I think that that 's why um, i tend to I tend to gravitate to, towards coaching the the defensive side of the field a little bit more um, mm-hmm. I, I love that that there 's so many crossovers between the two sports
0: right yeah that was uh that was something my dad always said while i was growing up and i actually i i didn't realize what he meant probably until like the end of my high school years but um he always told me that basketball and lacrosse are very similar sports there's a lot of concepts that translate directly from one to the other um but uh but so i want to move on to your your college career um what made you decide on delaware
1: um, you know, I, I kind of had an interesting path. I, I knew I wanted to play college lacrosse and I knew that ultimately I really wanted to play on the U S team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my parents were great and they took me to a lot of different schools. Um, I ended up applying to to 10 different schools and I just, I didn't really know. Um, I, I, I didn't really know what I was going to get financial aid wise. And that was a big deal for my parents, um, mm-hmm. was, was kind of paying for college. And so I had a lot of Ivy leagues on my list. Um, a lot of different types of schools on my list and just we really weren't sure where i was going to sit for a scholarship or where i was going to sit for financial aid right. um, and my mom and i took the train up on a really awful rainy day to delaware and toward the campus and it was funny at first i had i delaware was like probably the very bottom of my list and i, I was hmm. like no it's too close to home i knew a kid that from high school that went there right. I, you know i wanted to be different um, and when I got there, even on a rainy day, walking around the campus, I just, you know, you, you kind of joke around, but you, you kind of feel that gut feeling. Um, mm-hmm. and then Denise Westcott was the head coach when I went through the process. Um, and, and she was, she was really involved in both the international game as well as the U S team. And when I sat down and said mm-hmm. that that was the goal, you know, she was the first one to kind of not scoff at me, but kind of like, is like, that sounds good. Let's, let's, let's do it. Um, and mm-hmm. that, that, I think that's really what won me over.
0: Right. Right. And so. Um, so uh, I'm curious, why was why was the USA team a goal right from the beginning? Was that just because it was it was the top of the sport, or, or sort of what drew you to that as a as a goal to set for yourself?
1: Yeah, I think it was definitely that it was the top of the sport, but I had – my high school, Garrison Forest, had run this Metro Summer League um, forever. And Mm -hmm. when I was in ninth grade, I played on it, and and Jess Wilkes, who was the U.S. goalie, was on my team. So she was Mm – I think she had probably either was just finishing college or was post-college. And for a ninth grader to get to play with somebody of that caliber, you know, it it just opened my mind to everything. And I I think that she's really kind of what gave me that – you put that goal even in my mind a little bit.
0: Right. Right. Um, so, so when you got, uh, when you finally got to Delaware that first semester, um, did you feel like it was a fit right away or were there any, you know, transition problems?
1: No, I felt like it was a fit. I, I will say the one thing I really struggled with was, um, in high school playing three sports and then playing one. Um, and when I got to college, we hadn't, we didn't have fall games yet. So I felt like I never had that kind of release that you get into in, in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember struggling with that a little bit of kind of being like, oh, God, I got all this energy. I need to let it go at some point. Right. right. <laughs> um, but no, it's in terms of kind of a fit, no, I, I thought I had great teammates. Um, I, I, I loved my four years at, mm-hmm. at Delaware.
0: Right. And so <clears throat> for, uh, you know, for new freshmen that, you know, are going off to college or maybe new freshmen that are even coming to your team at Denver, um, sort of, what do you what do you tell them to look for to make sure that uh, it'll be an easy transition to the school that they're going to? Or maybe if they are having issues, what do you tell them to, to do to make it easier for themselves?
1: Yeah, well, I think two different questions there. So I'll take the first one for that first. I right. think that um, you you need to be you need to be bought into what the program is trying to accomplish and trying to do. And I, I really look for people that are passionate, not just about the sport, but about DU, because you do have really hard days. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, you have, you know, I don't care if you go down the street for college, you're going to have a day where you're homesick. Um, right. You're going to have a day where you have so much going on that you just feel completely overwhelmed. And if you trust the process, trust the people that you are doing it with, um then those days are are manageable right. um and and so I think that that's something that within the recruiting process that we we really look to and then I think as the the kids get here, um I, we talk to both their, the kids and their parents, and we just say, You know you're going to have a time where you're not going to hear from your daughter at all. And then all of a sudden, you're going to, you know, you're going your to be ringing off the hook for a day. And I think that I, I challenge the parents that, that their job is to remind their children, hey, this is what you wanted. It, it is hard because not everybody gets to do it. And, right. you know, it's that heart that makes it special. And then we also, you know, we, we tell the girls too. like, we're always here for them. Um, If they need a day, they need, you know, they, it's okay to come in and say, you know, I'm really having a tough time and I didn't sleep at all last night and, Mm -hmm. and, and to be able to kind of talk about that because they are kids and they're human and we all have days where we, we need a sick day.
0: (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) Absolutely. That's for sure. Um, So, so, uh, so what made you, uh, you know, after Delaware, what made you want to start coaching?
1: I actually did. Coaching wasn't even kind of a thought for me um, in, until my senior year in college. I, I thought that I was going to go FBI or CIA or potentially into law school. Hmm. Um, and I had this really amazing professor and I remember talking to him and he was trying to encourage me to go to graduate school or law school. And I but I and I remember the conversation of being like, yeah, but I don't really know what to what end. What am I going to do with it? Hmm. And he said, you know, you got to You got to do what you love. And it's so cliche, but literally a light bulb went off. And I just remember being like, oh, well, I'll coach, of course. Uh. <laughs> and I called home and told, you know, told everybody and every single person I told was like, yeah, well, of course you will. And I'm like, well, nobody wanted to tell me this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and so I just, you know, at that point started making, um, get, you know, sent some resume letters out to probably every program <laughs> around and hmm. had some different mentors that kind of helped me um, point me in the right directions to do right. so.
0: Right. So as soon as that light bulb went off, that's when you knew it was going to be a career.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I really did. Um, It just, and it sounds so, so silly that I'd never thought of it. I just, it wasn't something that ever, you know, you take those Meyer Briggs tests to tell you what you should be. (laughs) Coach never came up.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Um, So, so then tell us how you ended up as an assistant coach at Towson.
1: Yeah, well, I grew up right near Towson um, and had worked, a, I worked a couple camps that, that that first summer and had a couple of different interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just the timing of the Towson job and, and being able to kind of live at home for that, for that, however long I was there and save some money right. really appealed to me. Um, Linda Orne had, had just taken over the program uh, I'd competed against in all four years in college, so I felt like I knew them pretty well. So it just seemed kind of like a, an, an easy fit, um, and, and kind of an easy first job to, to kind of get my feet wet with.
0: Right. Gotcha. And, and so that, that first year coaching, if you can think back to it, what, what were, what were some of the biggest surprises or maybe the biggest lessons you learned that first year?
1: you know i think it's the same as everybody thinks as coaching is that you know you show up at practice and you know cool. and you and then you get to go home i mean right. <laughs> you know the 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 overwhelming time commitment i think um it was it was the very first one that was eye opening. It's certainly mm-hmm. not a nine to five job. It's a it's a twenty four hour job, and I think that's what's great about it. But I think when you're just starting, that is certainly eye opening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think the time commitment. Um, I loved I loved the relationships immediately. I, I think that that's the the best part of this job. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that was from that that initial fall was really fun for me to get to know the girls, and they you know they all didn't want to get to know me for sure. I mean I just played against all of them um, the year before with the of <laughs> freshmen. So I, you know, go it ahead. was a challenge, I think for some of them to, for me to win some of them over, um, mm-hmm. which was a fun challenge. Yeah. And, you know, and, I think that, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, uh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say the recruiting was probably another piece that was, um, was something that took an adjustment for me as well.
0: Hmm. Gotcha. So,
1: just, yeah,
0: <laughs> well, so I'm <laughs> I'm curious, cause you said it was, uh, there was a little bit of, uh, it was hard, um, or sort of it was hard to break through with the girls that you had just been playing against. Um, you said they, they didn't necessarily want to get to know you. Do you remember what you did sort of to overcome that barrier or maybe earn their trust?
1: You know, I think I gave the ones that um, I, I gave them space, you know, I, I didn't try to kind of force my, my thoughts on them or my coaching style and just mm-hmm. kind of said like, it'll, you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, and, I, I think that as coaches, we can learn so much from our players. So I, I think early on, I kind of just stepped back and was like, you know, you show me how you want to do it and I'll help tweak with what I have. And you kind of can take from the pot what you want. And, you know, and there were other girls that were very much that were, and they were all great. You could just tell that some of them were maybe a
0: little bit more standoffish. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then so I'm also curious, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned that coaching is almost like a 24 hour job. How? do you learn to deal with that? Is that just something that you can deal with because it was something you love or are are there any sort of skills that you developed that helped you be able to deal with, you know, the, the time demands?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, I, I think that, you know, I always tell my staff and, and the team to work smarter, not always harder. Mm -hmm. And I think that in coaching, you, you have to have balance, especially as a head coach, because it filters down to everybody else. Um, I think coaches, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, you know, if I can't care more than the team and it's kind of our job to care more than the team, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's kind of how it works is that, you know, we, you know, it is our job and we have other things. And I think you just sort of have to teach yourself how to, how to compartmentalize a little bit, how Mm -hmm. to prioritize. Um. And I think that after having kids, I, I think I, I, you know, you keep, I think your own children kind of force you to do that. You really, right. you, you know, you got to be able to focus in and, and kind of lock in on what you're doing with your own children. And then it kind of teaches you to do the same thing with the team.
0: Right, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, So, so how did the, or, or tell us how the coaching position uh, at Boston University um, became available?
1: Yeah. So I was still playing for the U.S. at the time. Um. And I had kind of decided I'd been at Towson for three years and had decided that that was going to be my, my last year and was ready to kind of try something different. And um, I had applied for the, the head coaching job down at Richmond had opened up. And mm-hmm. Sue Murphy, who was up at BU and was also um, my U.S. coach, she had applied for the Richmond job and took it from me. <laughs> um but which is OK. She, she just heard that she had a lot more experience and is a great coach. Right. So she ended up going down to Richmond. But she had kind of said, you know, if you're interested, I can put in a good word for you up at BU. Hmm. And so I kind of flew up to, to BU. And, and Gary Strickler was the AD at the time, um, who was an amazing guy, really just kind of kind of grandfather figure, but just really good mentor. Um, and, you know, and I, my husband was is from Western Mass originally. So, again, it just kind of seemed like a really good fit of going to a place where we kind of knew people um, and, you know, I, and I played against BU in college and coached against them at Towson. So I felt like, again, I kind of had a good grasp of of what they were doing and kind of what Sue had been building up there and right. um, they offered it and I, and I took it. <laughs> right.
0: Right. And so, uh, you know, this is your, your first stint as a head coach. Um, so sort of the same question as before, when you, you come in as a new head coach, what were the biggest lessons or maybe what were the biggest things uh, or what were the, the biggest difficulties that first year?
1: Very similar, um, you know. I I I was young. I was 25 years old, and I think at the time I was one of the youngest head coaches ever. Hmm. Um, and there, what's that saying? You don't you don't know how much you don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know it was it was a lot. It was definitely um, it was it was overwhelming in a lot of ways. I was the youngest person in the athletic department by probably 10 to 15 years,
0: hmm. and that
1: was a really big challenge because when I had been at Towson, we had this kind of Um, really just young staff. And as assistants, we kind of all went out together and support staff. And now I've gone to being this kind of head coach figure. And um, and I I just didn't have a lot of um, of peers my own age. And and it was good because I had people that were great to talk to and ask questions about. But I think that that's really where I struggled with, um, you know, just trying to to figure it out from from somebody from my age perspective. Right. Um, You know, and then Sue Murphy leaving. I mean, they were pissed, you know, like there were a lot of kids that were like, you know, Sue's a great coach. Who the heck are you? And so right. that again, kind of going through that. Um, and honestly, sometimes graduation just <laughs> helps with that. You gotta, you just gotta kind of let them, let them figure it out and give them space. And as, as the kids that really Sue coached and recruited and, you know, kind of fostered that um, you just kind of hope that they, they appreciate the time they spent with you. But you know that they're kind of getting the short end of the stick from their from their standpoint. I think you right. just kind of got to write it out a little bit.
0: Right. Yeah. So if if you can talk a little bit more about that, I'm I'm curious about that transition. How do you how do you overcome that? Uh, maybe I guess the way to put it is bitterness, right? Where you know their their head coach left and now you're coming in. How do you how do you earn that that trust? You, you touched on this a little bit uh, a little bit when we talked about Towson, but how do you sort of earn their trust? What, what, what do you do to, uh, um, you know, make the the team feel more comfortable?
1: I think that, um, you, you kind of have to give them ownership and you have to learn from them. I think if you come in and kind of start barking orders right away and well, we're changing this and we're going to do this and it's my program and I don't really care what you have to say, you know, then, then what, then what, why are they going to play for you? Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the other mistake a lot of people make is this idea of, well, once I get my, my players in and my kids in, we'll run the system. And I think that, you know, coaching is about coaching who you have. You know, mm-hmm. you can you go and recruit somebody and they might not end up being the player you, you thought they were going to be. You got to coach what's on, on the field for you. And right. I think that – that's something I think a lot of um, in all sports I've seen it kind of happen. Not just women's mm-hmm. lacrosse It's just this. Well, when I get my kids here, and you know, sometimes right. you don't get four years to
0: make something happen. You gotta make it <laughs> right. happen quickly. Right? Yeah. So you well, you, you know, need to embrace what you have. Right. 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 What I what I keep hearing from your answers, it, it sounds like you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like like part of your coaching strategy or philosophy is dealing. Um, you have a tremendous amount of empathy for the players that you coach because even when you were talking Towson, it was about learning sort of, you know, who they are, um, you know, what they can bring to the table and how you might be able to help them. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing here in Boston University. You need to sort of understand your team and how you can help them. Is, is that right?
1: Yeah, it is. But I think it's taken me a long time to, to be able to look back and get that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I think when I first got to, to Boston, um, I really thought that I was, I needed to be this kind of overly positive coach and that, everybody that can't kind of came through the program needed to be coached the same way. And if you couldn't, you know, if you weren't self-motivated, if you needed to be yelled at, then I probably wasn't the right coach for you. And I I think that I I have realized that that's kind of the fun part of coaching is realizing that I've got 35 completely different kids and, Mm -hmm. and my job is to figure out what makes each one tick.
0: Right. Right. And so, so I'm curious, how does, um, so let's say that situation, that example that you just gave, where there's one player on your team that maybe responds more to to tough love, but that that's not necessarily something that you have in your coaching toolkit. How do you? What do you do to figure out how to get that kid to respond to you?
1: Um, I think it's more about me responding to her now than her responding to me. I think that that's you know as a 40 something year old coach I you know I I, it's easier for me to change something than it is to ask a 20 year old to change something um you know like so I'm not saying it's all going to be like you know rainbows and I definitely have tough love in me I mean I think you can ask the team that but I think that it is very um very important And, and it's I don't know. I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but it's, it's not going to be the same every day. You know, I I Mm -hmm. think there are going to be days where I'm going to come out and and I am going to be really tough and and they are going to have to kind of flow with it. But I I really try to be the very first person that's in your corner celebrating your victory for you when you get it. Correct. Right. Um,
0: right. Gotcha. You know,
1: I don't think we all are the, are the perfect versions of ourselves every day, but (laughs) I do, I do think that it's more on, on me to figure out what makes them tick then for them to have to worry about, you know, my, my own personality
0: disorders. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it makes, makes total sense. It makes total sense. Um, okay. So, uh, so yeah, so m- moving on to your time, uh, at Denver, um, tell us how, uh, you ended up getting the job at Denver.
1: Yeah, that was another kind of, um, connections. That, so it's all about who, you know, uh, right. Kathy Reese, it was out here at the time. Um, I was at BU and Kathy has been a a longtime friend of mine from high school, you know, competed against her and with her for a number of years and then played Mm -hmm. on the U S team as well. And I remember sitting down into, um, at a, at a summer tournament and just saying, you know, my, my husband and I really have been talking about wanting to live out in Colorado and Mm -hmm. kind of as a lifestyle choice, that's, that's kind of where we want to be. We recognize that Denver is the only division one school out there. Um, so I kinda of said to her if you hear of anything, you know, if C U decides to go D one or you you know anything changes at D U, just just let me know. Um right. and literally two weeks later I got a phone call from her and she said, I'm going back to Maryland. Uh the job is is open and they're interested in you know, if you want it. Wow. Um and it was it was a really I, I loved Boston. Um, I loved my players at Boston. I really like the people at the athletic department. I am not a city girl. And mm-hmm. so I think that for um, for me, we knew that we just wanted to go someplace else to start a family. Mm-hmm. And that was really kind of our, our motivation to kind of, you know, in, my, in our minds, get, get the best of both worlds of being able to have this great job, but also be able to live in a, in a, a city like Denver. Um, yeah. yeah. But my kids had already... You know, I, by the time I kind of got out of here for an interview, this was really late summer and the players had already kind of come back to BU. So it was a really, really tough decision for me. Um, I, I, I did feel like I was kind of abandoning. Um, the team, which Lauren Morton, who is now the head coach at BU, tells me all the time that you abandoned us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I give her a lot of crap for it now that she's up there. But, you know, its it was really difficult, but I felt that like it was the right life decision for me and my family at the time. Right.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So so once you take over at Denver, um, how did you sort of approach setting the tone uh, for the team? And maybe especially because the team was coached, by such a good, uh, a good friend um, prior to you coming there.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that um, the, the, what was a little bit different from going to Denver versus going to, to BU is that BU had really gotten into the incidentally tournament. They'd kind of gotten that hump of, of being kind of um, just outside the show and have, had pushed, and, and Sue Murphy had kind of taken them um, really, really far as a program. And I think that where Kathy had DU was kind of right on the cusp, um, Mm -hmm. but they hadn't kind of gotten quite that far. So I think that while the players were really disappointed that that Kathy um, and Jen Adams, who had been our assistant out here, had left, I don't think it was as devastating as a loss as it had been when I'd gotten to to BU. So I think the player's perspective was a little bit different. And I Mm -hmm. think Kathy had only been here maybe Two three years, so I, I think that that right. probably was part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 that was not quite as uphill of a battle. The the battle I felt like I had coming out here was really just changing the mentality of the program. Um, Sue Murphy at, at at BU had just had this this unbelievable foundation of like a work ethic, and the kids, you know, they just they wanted to work hard in the classroom. They wanted to work hard. Um, on the field in the weight room they really wanted to do it all and I had a senior captain my first year out here telling me that you know she's like oh, I don't really know that we, ha- we should have to lift I just feel like that should be optional mm. <laughs> I remember my jaw hitting the ground being like wait what <laughs> right. um okay and so it was just that the program was just in a very different spot um mm. when I took when I took over here and so it was just a, kind of different battles I guess
0: Right. Yeah. So, so how how did you approach that that challenge? Because my jaw sort of <laughs> opened when or hit the ground when you said that. How do you how do you make that how do you make that shift in uh, in culture?
1: I think it took a while to be to be truthful. Um, I think when when Bill Tierney came out here as the men's head coach, it really helped. Um, our our, our programs were so kind of linked up um, socially that it it was great to have. Um, have his discipline come in and kind of help kind of really push the push where I wanted the women's program to go. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it, they had always been a team that was kind of this work hard, play hard mentality, but mm-hmm. I think that they, they, you know, they needed to, they needed to learn really how to make lacrosse a, a priority. Um, mm-hmm. and that took time. It took a lot of time.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we had, uh, we had coach Tierney on the, on the show. And the, the one thing that, stuck uh that stuck with me you know ever since talking to him was how much he how much he pushes discipline in his players that it's not just um about the time on the field it's also you know walking from the locker room to uh you know to the bus you want to you want to you know have your shirt and tie buttoned all shirts tucked in things like that um it's about instilling discipline sort of in every facet of your life not just on the field
1: Yeah. And it really, um, it really shows. I mean, they're, they're they're great guys. They are polite. Um, They're, you know, they're fun to to interact with. And, and it just, it it does, it flows from him all the way down and, and it it flows into us. And that was something when he, he took the job out here. I mean, I remember sitting in a summer camp and getting a call and, and joking. And it was like, Oh my God, it's Bill Tierney calling me. (laughs) And, and, you know, that first phone call, he was like, you know, Liza, I, I want us to do this together. I want us to be on the same page. Um, I want to see your your program succeed as much as my program. And you know, this guy's a legend, and he's telling me this, and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right, right. But it, it it makes such a difference to have somebody in in that spot that um that has that that mentality with you, It it just it really. And so I, I I give him a lot of credit for our cl- culture being able to change too, because mm-hmm. it just as as their discipline grew. I think our girls, our, our, our their eyes opened up and was like, "All right, this is this is how you run a program. This is what we want to be looked at um, as well."
0: Right, right. And so, if you can, and I apologize, this might be a, a tough question to answer on the spot, but um, you know, if you can sort of sum up maybe the the values of uh, you know of de women's lacrosse, how would you how would you summarize it? How would you, how would you characterize it?
1: I think hard work is really um we probably put that just above everything else. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think that we want to be the the grittiest team, the, the hardest working team whether it's on the field or on the weight room um or in the lacrosse or sorry in in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, I think that 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 we want to be known as the hardest working team at Denver. Um mm-hmm. and I and I think that we are in an athletic department that is that really strives for success in all areas. And I, I think that we have players on the team that feel the same way. They, they want to be great at everything they do and not just give, you know, not, not be kind of half-assed experience on one side, but everything mm-hmm. you got in, in whatever it is, your, is your focus at that moment. Right. Um, but I think, but I think with that, you have to have balance. Mm-hmm. And I think that we really try to allow our kids to, to, to excel in academically and make that a focus and then excel socially and make that a focus and not feel like that, um, they're just getting lacrosse rammed down their throats 24 seven.
0: Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, so if you can, uh, you know, I want to talk about, um, your practices, if you can, um, can you walk us through what a typical in season practice would be like for you guys?
1: Yeah. Um, we, we go in the mornings, which has been amazing. So um, we, have, we have class blocks for about two hours. So we've asked the girls to not start classes until noon every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that usually entails is that we have an 8 a.m. either lift or conditioning with our strength coach, and then we get started on the field. We usually leave the field open from about 9 to 9.30 for them to get some kind of Um, either individual work done or just come out and do some shooting and then 9 30 we we start up um, and get warmed up i like to start small every day and kind of build up from there so we will start off with a stick work um, drill with with everybody Uh, and then a lot of times we'll split and the attack will go at one end and maybe do some shooting while the defense works on some stuff down the other end Uh, then we come in and do kind of an awareness drill which is usually can, can be anything from a man down drill or a, you know, a, a, a protection drill, but it's kind of a competitive drill where both teams are really kind of trying to go at it. And then we get right into kind of the nitty gritty of the, of whatever the focus is for that day. If we're working on kind of our zone and some zone concepts for both sides. And then we usually try to get in um, eight meters draws and a little bit of playing every day. So it's a pretty packed day. Um, once the girls are finished, we, we circle up and I'm really big about my, one of my assistants tells me it's our touchy feely time, but I'm really big about kind of closing (laughs) practice every day. So we, we kind of circle up and I ask the girls kind of for their thoughts and everybody, you know, they have the opportunity to raise their hand and maybe shout out a teammate in a positive way um, Hmm. or say, you know, Hey, we needed to do this better. We weren't focused today and and kind of really recap what, what happened at practice. um, And then the coaches will have an opportunity to, say the same thing. And, Mm -hmm. and then after practice, they're really finished with us. Um, they can come in and watch film. We can do extra stuff, but we really try to tell them that kind of afternoon, that's their time to kind of go be, be students and and have a life.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. So you, uh, you mentioned that at one point in the practice, you're, you're working on what you determine you want to focus on. Um, how, how do you guys as a coaching staff determine the things that you want to focus on for that day?
1: You know, we have um, we have a schedule that we, we talk about throughout December and it's really, you know, leading up to our first game, which is Stanford. What what do we feel we need to have accomplished? What are what are the sets or what you know, what are the certain skills that mm-hmm. we need to work on to make sure it's um, that we're ready to play? And so then we kind of break it, it weekly a little bit. So, you know, the first week we want to get set one in and the three different looks in this and we want to work on this part of the zone. Um, you know, when, when, when do we want to get the ride in, you know, certain things like that. That's kind of what, um, what I mean by kind of when we break it up. And then I think with like eight meters and draws, those are, those are something that we've really kind of established that we need to work on every single day.
0: Right. Right. And, uh, and so just a, a few more questions about the detail. How long are you guys actually out on the field for? Would you say? About two hours, two hours. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and do you, do you do a practice plan at all and share that with the team or yeah, we do. mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's, uh, I was going to ask that that's shared with the team beforehand.
1: Yeah. So we, we write a practice plan up. Um, you know, we sit there as coaches and do it. We email it out the night before the day before. Um, and we also write it up in the locker room.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, So, you know, let's say that it is uh, a Monday and you guys have a game on a Saturday. You know, I know it doesn't always work out so neatly, but how? what would your week look like when you guys are preparing for an upcoming opponent? If you can walk us through the days, how does that typically go?
1: Yeah, um, probably Monday we'll start off with a little bit of offensive film. Um, uh, My my assistant coach, T. Ladisher, likes to kind of get them seeing what the other defenses are doing early, get the kind of visualization in their heads. Mm -hmm. So they'll watch a little bit of film. um, And then probably a little bit more of an offensive practice that day or bigger picture. So we might go, you know, if they, if they run a certain ride that we want to contend with, we might work on that that day, Um, kind of work, you know, get their, get their legs moving on their first day back with maybe a full field, fast break drill. So it's going to be a little bit kind of bigger picture with everybody kind of going at it, um, and we also try to use Mondays to give our kids that maybe didn't play a lot the following, the weekend before a little bit more playing time. So I think that that's where we would maybe do sevens and kind of mix up our lineups a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then by really, I, we scout film, like we kind of tell the kids like, Hey, there's a bunch of film up on, you know, online, please watch it. Try, you know, try to get some, um, especially for the defenders and the goal is just kind of look it over yourselves. And then, usually around Thursday is when we would sit down as a defensive unit and really watch the other team's film. Um, mm-hmm. we'll have done drills already leading up to that, that it will pertain to what they do offensively, but really on Thursday we would kind of go over the scout, watch film together. Sometimes I'll give them scout the night before, um, to take home with them and watch their own film sometimes Mm -hmm. i even actually have them help me with the scout which is kind of something we started a couple years ago which is fun where Mm. i kind of give them the blank page and i'm like you guys do the scout based on the film that you're able to watch and then we share it together um which is kind of just a fun fun learning tool um and then by friday friday is usually a really light day just kind of a review of stuff um, I'll have a lot of the defenders want to come in kind of one-on-one Friday or even before the game Saturday to kind of watch a little bit more film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of am also, I, I, we've kind of this way as a student, if you don't know it by midnight, you're not going to know it. So go to yeah, sleep, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, you know, cause sometimes that Saturday morning one is like, all right, you guys know this, there it is again, we're good, right, Let's right. get out of here.
0: <laughs> right, right. And when you guys are looking, um, you know, at your opponent, uh, say on film is it more um, are you more looking at sort of overall team tendencies, or are you breaking it up by individual player at all
1: really both, but I think it depends on what defense we 're looking to run um, mm-hmm. we you know our scanner reports are are pretty detailed in in each individual player mm-hmm. um, I think that you know, it, we'll go over their different sets, their different, their kind of looks together. And then if we have, um, matchups, then, then I tend to do that a little bit more one v one with the girls.
0: Right, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and so <clears throat> for, for you as a head coach, um, can you kind to talk about what are you trying to do maybe mentally to prepare for the upcoming opponent? How are you thinking about game day? What do you sort of need to have in your head? Um, you know, come the game.
1: You know, I, I'm I'm psychotic. I I want to watch every game <laughs> that they've ever played. So, I you know I I probably over prepare. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I want to think about what what they do in different situations, and then I kind of even you know play a game in myself where I'm like, all right, well, what happens if this happens and when they've never seen this, what are they going to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. right. You know, and I call everybody that I know in coaching that's played them, and probably stalk some of my friends more than I should, but I you know I I want to know everything I can possibly know. And then a lot of what I will try to do and as a staff, we sit down and and we kind of write down for the eventualities like, okay, well, if this happens, what are we going to do? What are we going to go into or how are we going to handle it? Um, you know, we think about, you think about a pregame speech, you think about a halftime speech, you think about an overtime speech, you know, Mm, (laughs) or a timeout or, you know, so I I definitely try to probably over plan for, for most of the games that we have.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And, And so, uh, I'm I'm curious because it sounds. Uh, I mean, it definitely, it obviously sounds like you prepare your kids, but it sounds like you over prepare. Is is that sort of to to take a maybe to take away some of the burdens from your kids? Or are are you are you trying to um, you know avoid paralysis by analysis with your kids and maybe maybe take that on yourself?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it, when I first got out here, the BU girls. I mean, I could give them a. 20 page scout and they would eat it up. And I, you know, and, and they loved it. They loved, I mean, I, we had every single person, I think on the team scouted and when I got out here the you girls were just a little bit different, they, they didn't need that much information. So mm-hmm. some of it early on in the season is, is trying to figure out like, what do you guys need? What, what do you need to know what's too much information for when you get out there and your head's going to explode. Um, right. And each kid is different, you know, and I, and I really tell them like, you, you know, here's what you need to know on the scout Everything else is gravy, you know, you take take it for kind of for kind of what you need. And so I think for me, I'm a person I do want to know what they're doing, what 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 I think is going to happen on the field before it unfolds. Um, But I don't know that 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 they need to to know that. But I also feel like you know, the, the more prepared you are, the easier it is to make quick decisions in a game. Um, right. You know, the more you you think, okay, well, if they face guard this person, we're going to go into that. Like, I, I don't want to be surprised by somebody else out there. Like, that's that, I I need to know what the different possibilities are, even if they right. never get into a face guard. We have a plan. Right.
0: <laughs> right, right, makes sense, makes sense. Um, so so real quickly, uh, I want to talk about how, um, you sort of approach the off season. Um, you know, so I guess uh, let's start for let's start with after the season, you know, when it comes to the summertime, um, you know, what sort of plans are you giving to your kids? Are you giving them workout plans? Or how do you sort of um, tell them to approach that off-season time?
1: Go have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of ways to stay in shape and to, to get better. But you know, there's a lot of time from, from June until February. So go be a kid, um, you know, go, go for a bike ride, go for a run, you know, go, go play pickup certainly and, and get out there and shoot. But, you know, I don't, I I think they need a breather too. So we usually have at least two weeks where we're kind of, you know, just, just go work out and, and out of sight, out of mind. And then they do get a workout packet, but I, um, You know, and we'll have individual meetings and we'll really talk to each kid, you know, one on one about what they need to work on and really where they need to be come back in in September. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I I just want them to to be able to enjoy some time with their friends and family, too.
0: Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then so what does that break look like, uh, you know, in December um, to to mid January? How how do you sort of um, break that down for them?
1: Yeah. And I do think that that's a really different break for us in summer. So I think that we, since we're on the quarter system, we're actually gone from Thanksgiving until the first week in January. So the girls are, have six weeks off um, leading into the season. And so at that, that time we, we really talk about being pretty pivotal for us that if you weren't in the shape that you needed to be um, when you left, then it's really kind of go time. Um, the, The workout packets are significantly harder. There is the expectation that you're, you know, you're, you're taking care of your body um, you know, we give them, we, we have a little book club where we read a book over break and <laughs> try to kind of keep them focused, but it's a, it's a long break.
0: Right. Right. And, and are you guys, um, you know, so you said if you're not in the shape that you need to be when you leave for those six weeks, you need to get into it by the end of those six weeks. Do you have, um, maybe benchmarks that the team needs to reach or anything like that?
1: Yeah, we, when they come back, we have like last week, I believe it was, we did our kind of our run tests as well as, um, you know, some, some weight room testing and some other fitness tests. But mm-hmm. for me, um, you know, we, we consider them standards rather than tests, that this is the expectation that to be on this team, you, sh- you should be hitting these, these numbers. Um, right. I don't punish the kids if they don't. It's really, you know, they're letting their teammates down if they don't. So I, I, that should be punishment enough. Right,
0: gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so just, uh, just one or two questions, um, you know, about recruiting for any kids that might be listening. Um, you know, for, for young kids that are looking to get recruited, just in general, how do you recommend that, you know, they stand out or, or, or get noticed by, by college coaches?
1: Be the hardest working kid on the field. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think if you are competitive and you're going to duke it out for every ground ball, um, I think your attitude on the field... Is, is probably one of the first things that, that a lot of college coaches will notice. You know, are, right. you, are, you, are you a scrapper? Um, are you trying to find a way to get involved in the play? Or are you kind of happy to, to let it pass you by?
0: Mm-hmm. And what about, um, how do you recommend that they stand out, you know, for, for you in Denver? Do you want them to, should they be sending you, you know, recruiting video or tapes or telling you where they're going to be for camps or anything like that?
1: Yeah. All of the above is great. Um, I, you know, I think the kids that really want to come out here coming to camp is awesome because then we can see them interact with, you know, our coaches on our field as well as our players, which I I really enjoyed watching that interaction happen. Right.
0: Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, well coach, listen, um, you know, this was great. I don't want to keep you any longer than the hour, but there's one question that I've asked every coach who's come on the show um, what are three things that everyone should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It doesn't have to just be lacrosse.
1: Ooh, whatever it is they do. Um, I do think visualization is great. I think that really taking a moment, whether it's before you go to bed at night or first thing in the morning and just closing your eyes and seeing you do it to perfection. Um, watching yourself make a mistake and correct that mistake. I, I think in whatever it is you're doing, I do think visualization Um, is is a great key to it um i think practice it but but give yourself a break from it as well i mean you you got to you've got to hone your craft but i think you also have to be able to say you know walk away in a moment of frustration i i kind of am the type of person that wants to kind of just put my head down and keep doing it till i get it right Right. but i think sometimes you've got to recognize that you know what sometimes you you just have to you have to reset and and walk away um and then I think the, the last thing is, you know, find, find joy in, in the small moments, um, you know, whether it's finally being able to get something that clicks correctly on the lacrosse field or, you know, it's maybe it's unrelated to what you're trying to work on and it's something else. But I think if you can mm-hmm. find joy and celebrate that joy, it's going to carry over to whatever else you're trying to do.
0: Right. That's awesome. Um, well, coach, listen, like I said, thanks so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed the conversation and I appreciate you coming on today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's good. It's, a, it's good to think about all this too, especially leading into the season.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast. I'm your host, Joe Iovoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Iovoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast on the season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast Please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a travel or club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential, all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Game Changer Team Manager is free, it's easy to use, and it doesn't serve ads. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.